With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Train, connect, transforming under-resourced communities. Welcome to a, another episode of Front Porch Conversation on Justice. We're going to be talking in context uh, of those ideas in, with, in relation to the Christian Community Development Association. Today, we're happy to have with us, uh, in fact, honored to have with us, Abba Steffens, the Interim CEO of CCDA and Michelle Warren, the Advocacy and Strategic Engagement Director. Uh, we're going to be looking at the desperate conditions that face our poor and the call for a revolution in the church uh, to approach this problem. Uh, and so we're going to examine this in the context of CCDA, which is Christian Community Development Association, uh, and looking forward to a lively conversation today. And, and a very informative one. So welcome, Ava, and, and welcome, Michelle, to uh, you all are in the mid-section of the country in the West Coast, and I'm sitting here uh, in beautiful Hampton, Virginia, under some sunny skies today and uh, almost 90-degree temperature. Uh, so we're going to get right into this and ask each of you to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you arrived at the point where you are with CCDA. Well, thanks for having us, Charles. It's great to be part of the uh, front, front porch conversation. This is Ava Steffens. And uh, go ahead, Michelle. Yeah, I was going to say, it's really great. Thanks so much for letting us have this time to, to talk a little bit about CCDA and looking forward to learning a little bit more about you and, and how we can continue to collaborate together. So um, so let's see. I'm I'm Ava, and I've been with CCDA now for almost two years. My, my career actually started as an immigration attorney for almost 20 years. And in the midst of that representation, I was also uh, volunteering as a women's ministry director at my church and came out to visit um, a local community development um, work happening in Santa Ana, California. I live on the West Coast in, in Southern California. And um, so went to visit and just fell in love with, with the uh, community. It, it was central Santa Ana, and uh, the, the, uh, it was mostly an immigrant, uh, Mexican immigrant community, and uh, just fell in love with, with those kids and their families and the work happening there. We were 
actually looking for volunteer opportunities for for our women from our church and um, and got approached by by the uh, director of that of a uh, a group called Hispanic Ministry Center to actually come and work with with um, their community. I left my law practice and joined that work and was um, appointed as the uh, founding executive director of a community development organization called KidWorks in Santa Ana and um, led that for a little over 16 years. It was um, just a, uh, it was awesome to, I had, I started by reading Restoring At-Risk Communities by uh, uh, CCDA founder, John Perkins, and it really rocked my world. I, I always called it my second conversion because <laughs> I just I just was was blown away by by the opportunity and what it what it meant to really live out the gospel in community and learned so much from that. Started attending CCDA uh, conferences in the year two thousand. And uh, as as I grew in my faith in in living out the gospel. The organization also grew, and uh, the ministry and the community, and um, seeing seeing lives um, come come alive in this in um, in the sense of of awakening to the possibilities of what happens when when community members um, start banding together and growing together in 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 spirit, in mind, and in, um, in in common goals. Um, so I, I really saw a, a beautiful fruition of, of what it's like when the gospel comes alive in a community. Um, so that's how I got connected. That's, that's my, my background in a nutshell. And that's how I got connected to CCDA. Um, and that's, that's a little bit about my background. Great, great, great. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. for me, I was uh, just a very unaware college student, and our college, I was in, went to Cedarville University in southwestern Ohio, and they had a really strong presence in communities doing outreach ministries with their college students, and so having done quite a few of those throughout college and meeting my now husband, I think we both thought we were going to just go into ministry and wanted to go into church planting. And very long story short, after we graduated and got married, moved into an all African American community. And then I taught in a predominantly Mexican um, school right out of college and being the only white woman and being the only married woman in our community, I just had a lot to learn. And so began to live out the principles of CCDA, but didn't even realize CCDA existed until 1995. So when I was introduced to CCDA, it was because we happened to come up for an internship for my husband in Denver and the conference was going to be in Denver a couple months later. And everyone kept listening to the two of us talking and saying things like, you should go up to CCDA. You need to learn more about, you know, what they are about. Everything you say is kind of lining up with them. And I guess the, you know, the long story short is just that guy has been moving and you know the principles of CCDA while they've been forged within the association were beginning to be embedded in the hearts of those of us who were were living out those principles and just so grateful that they were formalized and to be able to join so my inception of course is in 95 but um, with the CCDA conference but we moved up to Denver in 96 and started a home for 
uh, homeless teen girls and was working alongside a church called Open Door Fellowship. They had been planted probably about 10 years in by the time we arrived and then moved from that house and started a community development corporation, which is now called Open Door Ministries. It was actually 20 years old this summer. So we're super excited to see all of the things that God's been doing in the last 20 years. And Open Door is predominantly at this point with all the gentrification is just has a very high homeless population in our community now. And so that sort of shifted, but we do a lot of affordable housing, outreach ministries, job training, micro businesses, and it's a a variety of um, community development ministries alongside the church. But after about 10 years, I had been a teacher in Dallas and then also, you know, started the house for teen girls and then helped start open door ministries, you know, pretty Pretty early on, I was really excited, of course, about all the good work that we were joining in with the community that and joining in with really what they were doing as far as making choices with their lives and wanting to move out of addictions and, you know, work on job training and just really to be able to share that journey was, was beautiful and sacred. And um, But at the same time, I was very frustrated. I felt like there were situations, whether it was cultural, I didn't really know what was holding the opportunities back. I kept hearing things like, oh, you give a fish, they eat for a day, you teach a person to fish, they eat for a lifetime. And I kept thinking, man, there is something missing here because I've done a lot of fishing training or watched people do fishing training and there's just not access. And so that frustration continued to be built in me. And really, I think just God was just personally opening up my eyes to systemic injustice alongside individual restoration and social justice, this idea that we as Christians to be holistic need to also work on systemic injustice. And since I had had a math and music degree going into nonprofit community development, I thought, you know, this is a really steep learning curve. I don't think I can, you know, try to figure out what the systemic injustice and what we're understanding government and policy. And so I actually went to night school for a few years while our kids were little and Steve and I worked really well together trying to make ministry work and life work so that I could go get my Masters in in public administration and and emphasize in an emphasis with emphasis in policy formation and multi sector collaborations. I just felt like in order to be like I said very holistic, I felt like I needed at least in my community needed someone who could speak fluent government alongside fluent you know Christian or evangelical and and really to be able to act as a liaison and that's where I was for a while, but um, recognizing that my neighbors were immigrants. Um, and I didn't know anything about immigration. I've been working in health and human service and housing policy and <laughs> sat on a lot of committees with Denver around around housing, justice, et cetera, but just learned more and more about immigration because that was impacting my neighbors. And, you know, I know more about immigration policy than anything now. So that's sort of a, a way that makes me smile. But just to say my my way of kind of coming on staff, I've been on staff with CCDA for a little over five years, and it started as working, helping um, do immigration advocacy and organizing. And then it grew into um, the director of advocacy and and public policy and now strategic engagement. And so I'm able to help our association um, support our three advocacy um, platform issues, which are immigration reform, mass incarceration, and education equity. And just like everybody in the nonprofit world, you know, you can have sort of your primary role, but you do everything else, you know, whether it's answering the phones. I'm sure Ava could give you all the list of things that she never realized she would do as an interim CEO, but we're, <laughs> we're excited and, and proud to be able to work alongside the amazing practitioners of CCBA. And um, that's a little bit of how I got here and, and what I do. 
Wow. I guess I better not ask you about your book because we might be here another two hours, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, I was amazed at the, uh, let me just throw this comment in uh, about Open Door um, when I was in Denver. I guess I should have hung out with you instead of David uh, at the time. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was really a eye-opening in terms of ministry that's, that's done through Open Door. Uh, and I, I certainly want to come back for a more intense visit uh, to learn more and to sit with you guys a, a lot longer at some point in the near future. So, Abba, uh, CCDA has an interesting uh, start and formation and, and, and the evolution to where it is today. And could you kind of enlighten us about, about how CCDA started? Yeah, well... Officially, uh, CCDA started back in 1989, and Dr. John Perkins really is known as our our founder, but he would be the first to say that he didn't do it alone. He he was doing um, this type of work, working in communities, incarnational um, ministry um, for, for years in the 60s and the 70s. And um, and for a long time thought he was he was the only one in the country doing it, and then started realizing and meeting folks all over the country that were also um, involved in community development work from all different kinds of aspects, whether it's with a focus on education, on housing, economic development, workforce development, healthcare, um, and they were they were all approaching it from a, from a Christian church-based perspective, um, but doing it all on their own. Everyone, everyone with these different folks across the country were getting this call to, to be involved in their communities in a concrete way to move into their, to move into uh, vulnerable under-resourced communities and basically invest their lives into this work as a, as a response to a call from from Jesus, and um, and as he as he started meeting other folks that had the same call, decided to to gather them all in 1989 in Chicago, and and that's why that's considered the founding of Christian Community Development Association or CCDA, and and folks like um, Wayne Gordon, Mary Nelson. Um, Kathy Dudley, Bob Lupton, Noel Castellanos, and many more, which I wasn't around, so I'm not sure who all was there, but, but many, many other folks across the country came together. I, I, I believe there was over 100 people that came together that first year and started having the conversation about how do we network and how do we bring together um, people that are, that are seeking to, to live out this incarnational ministry in, in poor communities and, um, and uh, be engaged in the process of transformation so that they can, so that we can actually witness and become part of this holistically restored communities. So, um, so since then, the, the, the association was born and one of the hallmarks of the association is this annual gathering that happens in different cities across the country. So, um, so we've had we've had different leaders throughout the years 
And at the beginning, for the first at least decade of of its founding, I, it was volunteer led. And um, now um, Noel Castellanos, since um, for the last ten years, has been the uh, the visionary leader of uh, CCDA. And as of last, um, well, our last conference in Los Angeles, the um, Noel had been asking for for help in terms of uh, a partner to lead the organization so um, so that because he does so much travel, so much speaking across the country and working with our national partners and advocating for our um, uh, our association and, and our communities, he really wanted someone to to partner with him in the management of the organization. So um, back at the uh, Los Angeles conference on um, beginning of end of August, beginning of September of 2016, I was appointed as the uh, interim CEO. And basically, uh, so Noel continues to be the president of CCDA, and I have um, been um, taking on the role of, of managing the organization and helping to lead it into its next um, its next phase. So, um, so that's 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 where we are now. And um, I'm interim because really, it's since it's this new new type of role. The the board is just um, we're trying we're, we're we're looking to see how this works and if this is this is a right uh, the right fit for CCDA. And uh, and I'm delighted to take on this role, uh, partnering with Noel and uh, he's a he's an amazing visionary and uh, and if you know Noel you can imagine that he is a lot of fun to work with so <laughs> I'm enjoying it tremendously <laughs> this incarnational ministry this message mm-hmm. is very messy mm-hmm. how, how how has CCDA navigated those waters over the years yeah um you know, it's as you can imagine when we when we're talking about an association, it's um, it's all about it's it's all about relationships, and uh, we have eight key components to to our to CCDA, which are uh, relocation, reconciliation, redistribution, church-based empowerment, leadership development listening to the community and having a holistic approach. Um, and, uh, and these, these really lead our, our uh, these are our, our values, our principles. This is what, what, how, how we move forward. So as, as we look to, um, to um, incarnate, ourselves to you know like like following Jesus example of of um being being um being Jesus in communities um we we lead with these values in mind with these principles in mind with listening to to our members with um empowering um we do um a lot of trainings and um leadership development and and making sure that churches are engaged in some of these big issues that um that's for for so many years we've um 
you know, we talk about the, the separation of uh, church and state on the one hand, and on the other hand, we realize that churches are people, and people, as we're living out the gospel, um, we, are, we are body, mind, spirit. We, we, need, we, we need to be fully engaged in our, in our um, communities, and the, and the only way to be fully engaged is, is, to, um, is, is not to, to shell uh, either any part of us, right? Whether it's body, mind, or spirit, but, but mm-hmm. to, to, be, to, to be open and to be ready to speak up when we need to speak up and be ready to, to stand for, for truth, to stand for justice, to stand for God's love in our communities. And, um, and so, so basically living out what we're reading in, our, in the word every day, right? Just obeying yeah. it and, and living it out. I think one yeah. of the reasons, I think something that you said, Ava, that really defines, you know, the association is relationships. And Charles, you said, you know, it's messy and CCD is messy because it's committed to relationships for the long haul. So as you look mm-hmm. at all eight of those principles, you know, you're, you know, you're not in with your checklist. You're going to do some justice. You're going to move out. You can go to the next, you know, neighborhood, do your other task list, and it's all going to be fixed and everything's flat and well. Even if you have a really under, strong understanding of, you know, God's redemptive work and, and justice, biblical justice, and you are committed to living out um, and following what, what Jesus set forth and in his own incar- incarnational ministry and, and the, not only his practice, but what he preached, you, know, you find yourself constantly realizing that this is a lot messier than we thought. There's, there's no, you know, quick fix to this. You know, we have a vision of what we believe is right and a vision of what we want to see. But working towards that vision is really the journey that we talk about the Christian life. And so I think the messiness is that we know that we're not going to be small-minded. We're going to have a big vision that includes everybody, that this isn't just, uh, hey, we're all sitting at the table and we're giving crumbs to people under the table, you know, and just having mercy, but we're working really hard to make sure everybody has a seat at the table. And the bigger your table is and the more inclusive it is, the more it reflects the heart of God's justice, but the longer it takes, the more collaborative. You've got to practice listening. You've got to realize that empowerment means you may have to be quiet (laughs) and really listen Mm -hmm. and and allow other people to have space to figure things out. And, and so I think, you know, the messiness may seem a little nerve wracking maybe to some or red flags, but really it just shows the commitment to relationship and the equality of voice and the value of voice and the just response we have to everyone's presence as we move forward, um, you know, with God's vision to rescue the world together. Yeah, I think that ties into, uh, I know the conferences that I have attended, um, and it seems even with uh, looking at this whole messiness of the foundational ministry, uh, that the relationships are becoming stronger and forming there, and and it's like a a family that comes together that, uh, okay, we're okay here at this place. We're safe. We We can disagree and we can agree. Uh, and, and move forward, and knowing that uh, that at some point that we're, we're going to have to combine all our resources together to address these issues. So that gets into my next uh, question that's on my mind, uh, Michelle. 
how how do you in your position um, reconcile the CCD principles to address immigration, mass incarceration, mm-hmm. and educational opportunities? Yeah, I I definitely am grateful that we have those eight principles. I know there's always been conversation, should we add advocacy as a ninth principle? But as I look at our eight principles, I see advocacy or the confrontation of injustice or prophetic presence in in all aspects of them. So if you think of those three R's, you know, you've moved into a community. You are, you know, saying that I want to be reconciled to you. I want to, you know, across race, across gender, across across socioeconomic divides, which means I recognize that racism is real and division is real and that it has manifested itself in systems, you know, and so that's kind of that reconciliation is to recognize, you know, it's embedded in systems. And so we need to go very deep that reconciliation is a very deep word. We need to be willing to go deep and redistribution, you know, justice does not fix itself, you know, and redistribution is this principle that we build back into what has been broken. So those are kind of like those three R's as you, as you switch into some of the other elements of empowerment and of leadership, then you're really looking at the role of the community. You know, you may have chosen, Hey, I'm going to move into a neighborhood and I'm going to build bridges of reconciliation. I'm going to, you know, change the course of things. I want to build back into the systems and the brokenness. You know, if you're going to do it with integrity and if you're going to do it with the values of CCDA, you're going to recognize that it's really not about you. You know, it's about listening to the communities that you can affirm and join in their voice, which is all about leadership development, which is all about empowerment, which is all about holistic. If every issue that we have is being represented by somebody from the outside who has not been um, directly impacted by um you know, whether it's mass incarceration or immigration or, or other things, even beyond our three platform issues, then we are not living out our philosophy with integrity because it is the people who are closest to the pain who should be leading us to make change because you cannot fix a problem that you don't understand. And I think we at CCDA understand that. So we know that, well, if you can't fix a problem you don't understand, you at least need to lean into it and get close to it so you can try to understand it. But who really is supposed to be raising voice and helping fix it? Of course, the people who are directly impacted. And so we as CCDA, in our advocacy, we join the voices that are closest to the pain. You know, we strengthen. There's definitely times, like especially under immigration reform, where people aren't citizens or people can become targets that you need to speak for them. Or, you know, when people have mental illness or, or um, you know, learning disabilities or children. I and mean, there's times for us to raise voices on behalf of others. But I think, you know, the spirit of our principles really shows that we want to join people and in, in, their, in their suffering place and bear witness as a prophetic presence, but recognize that presence alone without that prophet is a missed opportunity and that together we need to speak into or redistribute, speak into the brokenness so that we can see true wholeness and whole communities and, and elements in those systems, in those communities that are able to move forward together. So what does CCDA offer uh, in terms of developing leadership, uh, not only uh, locally, but also nationally for folks? 
Yeah, well, I wish Lisa um, Rodriguez Watson were on the call because I think she's really <laughs> under her hub. But I can speak a little bit, and Ava for sure. I know she mentioned the conference, so you know that's more than a family reunion. That's you know an opportunity to really be trained. Well, our our mission is to be inspired and to train and to connect. And in an association, we co-inspire each other, we co-train one another, and we are we connected so that we can be the best community Christian community development practitioners you know possible. But um, Lisa is Lisa Watson is our train, leadership and training director, and she oversees our cohort pro- program. And I don't know if I, I would probably say, Ava, why don't you talk a little bit about the cohort program? But in addition to that, we also have local networks and um, different regional events around cafes and intensives and immersions. And the intensives, if you go on our website at cca.org and you look under um, some of the events and training opportunities, you'll see intensives list out those eight key components um, that Ava and I have been talking about, and we can actually do a training on each one of those um, in somebody's local community. And our cafes are ways to help people get a broad overview of, of CCDA and the philosophy and invite people in. And then our immersion, we just had an immersion um, in Alabama, and it is a week-long intensive around Christian community development. And ends up, I think you end up, I'll just leave it with that. But Ava, I don't know if you want to talk about the conference and maybe our cohort program and even fill in some of the blanks for the immersion. Sure. Um, so we do have a leadership um, cohort program, and that's and that's an opportunity for 20 to 25 local leaders from across the country to come together for um, a period of over two years where um, we have retreats and in, intensive learnings um, but also relationship building and opportunity to to really link up with with folks that are that are in the same in in, in similar in similar situations in terms of of uh, working in communities, but understanding that there's other folks that are that are dealing with similar issues, dilemmas, messiness of relationships, and learning from each other, but also learning from Longtime CCDA leaders about how these principles work practically, uh, what the philosophy is behind them, um, how do we how do we live these out, um, and and how do we speak into our association also because it's not only a time for CCDA um, staff or leaders to be um, to be teaching, but it's also a time for us to be listening and learning. Uh, over over these two years from our our leaders in a deeper way so that we can um, apply those learnings and and improve improve our own systems uh, for for our members as a whole uh, we generally they are for 25 to 40 year olds we we did have um, and we've had seven of of these leadership cohorts over the over the past eight years or so but um, we did the cohort number six was for veteran leaders, which was for leaders over 40. And now we're also looking at piloting a leadership cohort for 19 to 24-year-olds, uh, um, which is still in the in the works. It hasn't been it hasn't been uh, uh, started yet, but it's something that we are looking to do. But um, really, a, a, an awesome time. For, for deeper learning, the um, the uh, the trainings 
um, the in- the intensives. Uh, Michelle, you did a great job of talking about those, and um, the immersion again is is a is a week long uh, gathering for folks that are that are looking to learn about all of our principles in in one week's um, time frame. So um, we also, of course, have the conference, this year's conference. Again, uh, ccda.org will give you all the information you're looking for on that, but it'll be in Detroit, October 4 through 7. And um, the host team in Detroit is energized and is doing a fantastic job of putting together our go and sees and our and um, all the um, all the details for that conference, and uh, they're excited. We have if you haven't been to Detroit in the last three to four years, you haven't seen Detroit because it has it has changed dramatically in the last few years, and it's an exciting place to to go and and be and and talk about some of these issues that we're all talking about. Uh, um, this this year is uh, the 50th anniversary of uh, what uh, what um, local folks from Detroit call the uprising in uh, in Detroit, um, and um, so there's just there's just a lot of energy there, and I invite you all to go and and uh, and meet meet our folks in Detroit and and see the city, and also we have an amazing lineup of speakers that uh, again I invite you to go on our website and check those out. Um, and then we have also under trainings, which we're really excited about, is this online curriculum for small groups that is getting ready to be rolled out by the end of the summer. And um, it's um, Lisa Watson, again, is leading that effort, has been working with um, the American Bible Society and a lot of our partners and, and leaders. You'll see There'll be um, videos from a lot of our CCDA leaders uh, as part of that um, uh, curriculum. It's 11 weeks, or well, 11 lessons, um, and um, and it's we're really excited about it. We're just wrapping it up now in terms of the graphics and the uh, the uh, digital format and platform, but that's getting ready to roll out. And and part of that is the opportunity to for members of CCDA to, to be connected in, in a way that uh, we haven't been able to do in the past. Because if you're not able to make it to a conference and you're not able to make it to an immersion, um, but you really want to be able to um, work on these principles in, in, a, in a group setting, um, it, you, feel, you can feel isolated if if you're not able to to attend these types of trainings so we really want to be able to bring the training to to our members wherever they are and that's the whole purpose of this online curriculum we we believe it's going to be a great uh tool for our members and are excited about being able to to bring it to everyone's community that's our so you got to look for that ccda.org yeah 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 look i'm excited I'm I'm out here in, in in a city in X place in, in in the United States, and I really want to connect and become more involved with CCDA. Uh, so the small group training looks good, but how do I start? Where do I need to start as an individual or a church or an organization? Who do I make contact with? Well, what are the next steps? Yeah. 
I mean, you can go on ccda.org and you can become a member, and that's really the best way because if you're a member of CCDA, and you can do it as an individual or as an organization, um, but if you're a member of CCDA, you get free all, all our, our workshops from our 2016 conference. You can download for free, and, uh, and that's a great place to start. And also you'll be in... Um, be able to stay connected to the larger movement to find out you'll be on our email list and find out what's going on what's next um, you will be able to connect to other members if you're an organizational member you'll also be able to post jobs if you have if you have jobs available at your organization and you're looking for quality quality um, applicants who understand the principles of Christian community development, that's the place to post a job. Uh, there's there's a lot of um, tools and and um, uh, um, valuable valuable um, connections that you can make on ccda.org. That um, yeah, so you should definitely go on there. Ten dollars a month uh, for an individual membership. It's definitely affordable. Okay. I think another, another thing in addition to membership and, and some of the benefits that come with it is that doing CCD work, the reason you want to be a part of an association is because it can feel very isolating. And, you know, becoming a member does open up your opportunities to be connected to something bigger and something that's going on. But And, and the conference is great. But I, I often say, you know, if you can't come to the conference, you should really be able to have a sense of connectedness with people who are doing similar work, you know, beyond that. And so in addition to some of the things that we've talked about, we also have um, local networks. And I know that, Charles, you are a local network connector in your community, but the idea of CCD, a local networks, is that we would have smaller um, groups of people coming together regularly in their community, whether it's a suburb or a city or a rural community, just knowing that there are people that are in your city or in your proximity that are able to identify with your struggle, that you can you can go to each other's ministries, you can share back best practices, and all of these kinds of things are happening nationally. But the ongoing work in your local community and to be a support to each other is really really important. And so um, we're continuing to try to invite cities to become local networks. We have a lot of different cities who are either in the process or who are officially, you know, become a CCDA local network. But I really think that long-term, in addition to the national conference, these are ways for people to um, become connected. We talked a bit about relationships and the messiness of it, you know, but relationships, we also need relationships with other leaders who are dealing with the messiness and the culture and the challenges within each one of their own organizations as well. And so that's just another aspect of what we have with our association that members are able to um, come together and be supported in their local communities as well. Okay, Michelle, you, you've done some work with the uh, Cohort 7, I believe, or interacting with them. What is yeah. that cohort experience like? What, is, what, what one expects from it? Yeah, well, I can tell you a couple of things. One, I was a part of Cohort 1. <laughs> And so it was really, it was really fun. It, we had heard about it for years that we were going to have this leadership development thing and met in so many different conferences. And so it was just really awesome to see it 
start and and the relationships that I have with cohort one, I mean, some of them have been so incredibly formative um, in my own personal and professional development. So I can't say enough nice things about just being a part of a cohort. And I know, Charles, you were part of cohort six, so I'm sure that you have some things you could add. But cohort seven has just kicked off. They've only had two of their four retreats. Um, their first one was in California, and the first one is mostly about relationship building and listening to each other. You, know, you want to hear each other's stories. You want to, you know, find uh, just that deeper sense of who a person is in, in a, a multifaceted way. And while there's always a need for more time, I mean, every cohort experience, everyone says, I just wish we had more time. But the fact is, we build in a lot of time. There's just never enough time. But but there is time to begin to really get to know one another and, and to have places and people to connect with around the country. So Cohort 7 went to California, and I was not there, so I can't really speak too much of their experience, but just knowing a little bit about what Lisa shared, it was mostly about relationship building. I was with them in Baltimore, and the focuses of that particular retreat were around theology and advocacy. And so we did some site visits um, to some of the long-standing CCD organizations in Baltimore, talked a little bit about the Baltimore riots, and just sort of recovering from that um, recently and just listening to the persevering, resilient um, leadership in Baltimore and being able to share that space with other young leaders from around the country I know had pretty profound impacts. They all read some similar books um, around theology. Now, I can't remember what the title of the one by Miguel de la Torre was, but was able to listen to some of their conversations. It's so important to hear different perspectives from different um, people from different cultures and different races, um, you know, reading something together and, and sharing their perspectives. And so I know that there's just a lot of good conversation, a lot of good listening. Of course, there's a lot of eating that takes place. And you know how much <laughs> community is built around food and just that experience of that together and yeah. bonfires and marshmallows. And But the one thing that I got to come in for, and so I, I know the most about this, and it was so exciting to be able to do it, is um, Lisa specifically put us in Baltimore so that we could spend a day on the hill. And so I went in and did did not do it justice, but did about an hour to two hours of advocacy training and really talked about a little bit of what I even mentioned in this radio blog, just the advocacy and organizing in a CCD context. And gave the, they all had meetings set up with their elected officials um, in their districts. We had done some work ahead of time and found out what areas of the three platform issues that we had that they cared about and tried really hard to find the elected official that would have a voice in mass incarceration and, or in education or immigration. And, and, you know, they were all on the Hill and it happened to be on a, a pretty big day. It was during the James Comey hearing. So there was a lot of buzz on the Hill that day, but it was just really great. I, I think one of the, I read all the reflections and I think a lot of what some of these amazing dynamic seasoned leaders in their community were once again, just, you know, introduced in a playing field that many of them had never experienced and reminding themselves that sure I live in democracy that's right I've got good things to share and I should bring this to the public square that in our community we we can make a difference and we can um, make an impact and there are people who will join us that in that in um, elected with elected officials I think there's a lot of disillusionment with politics right now and there's reason for that but I feel like there was a new excitement that they could be um, a prophetic presence and confront injustice in their, in their communities and alongside their communities. So that was super fun for me as the advocacy and strategic engagement director, but that's only one such a small snapshot of what the cohorts yeah. do, but that, that's a little bit of what they've been doing recently. Yeah. I think it was the over 40 group that I was in. It was, um, 
a very interesting experience. I mean, it was, it was really fun. It was really informative. And uh, it's actually where I came up with the three uh, uh, words, agitate, organize, and educate, hmm. which, which hmm. I kind of told them that it's going to be my man, my mantra till the day I die. Uh, <laughs> wow. So, so that's, I kind of hammered it in with them. I think everybody in the cohort kind of remembers now what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but speaking on the national conference, and I know out of the cohort, I know Mark was uh, was talking about uh, organizing something that we could do in Chicago, I mean, in Detroit, uh, that would be fun. And I suggested we could do a Motown thing and, um, mm. and, and it identified three females in our cohort could be Supremes and, and four of us guys, they could be the temptations. <laughs> well, so, whatever uh, you do, make sure we know about it because I want pictures and videos. That sounds great. I have tons of experience with that, Charles. I should have joined your cohort. Well, um, just... <laughs> I, when I was when I was a little girl, my my cousins and I, we all lived on the same block. We had like five homes. Our family all supreme shows in our in our mom and our grandmother's. Uh, Car car drive, you know. Um, so and we would sell tickets in the neighborhood. So I'm experienced. <laughs> well, I'm gonna make sure I put that on the core page today. We need to be in there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that that sounds great. Uh, let me let me ask you this question. I guess Michelle, you can piggyback on it too. Uh, it, in your during your time with CCDA. Uh, what have you seen in terms of the CCD movement and that has been the greatest impact in, in, in your community or in any other community in terms of advocacy and, and addressing issues within the community? Because I know this listening is a very critical component of it, and, and oftentimes we see uh, programs, and I, I put that in quotation marks, that yeah. come into communities that are just that, and it's not about listening, mm-hmm. it's about imposition. Yeah. You know, that's, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question, Charles, because that really speaks to the core of, of actually my experience in community here in Santa Ana. And, um, you know, when, when I first came in, it was, my mentality was all about program and, uh, what programs does this community need? And um, and I quickly I quickly learned the importance of uh, relationship building, of listening to the community, of of uh, spending the time. You really need to invest the time to to really get to know folks and um, and uh, and let them lead, and let them let them um, tell tell you what what's needed in their community. And uh, so it, it really evolved from, from us thinking that uh, we knew what, what was needed to us learning and being led and learning together with community and, with, um, and, and then being confronted. And this is what happens is now, and you know, as an immigration attorney, I, I knew about the uh, broken immigration system, but it wasn't until I was in community with um, undocumented immigrants and, and understand, beginning to understand the true fear 
that that dominates the uh, the neighborhood um, and and the families and the children in these families uh, when they go to bed at night and wondering if if the next day their parents might be deported and who's going to take care of them the next you know moving forward and and wh- where are they going to land who's going to provide for them who's going to provide for their families uh, when we have families um, that are really the undergirding of our cities, of our society, um, in so many ways, especially here where I live, uh, 80, 80% of, of our population is, is Hispanic, and um, um, the statistics show that about 50% are, um, uh, or at least 40% of our adults are undocumented here in this community, and yet it's a thriving community economically so how do we how do we confront some of the uh, of these real issues that that are 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 um, really showing how unjust the systems are when, when we have 40 percent of our of our population here in in this county is is um, people of color um, it's it's just um, yeah, especially in the juvenile detention system. Mm-hmm. So, so we, so you can't help but start to confront these issues of injustice as you start listening to the community, and and it's not enough to just um, bandage it with programs. You really mm-hmm. need to start uh, banding together, and and this is where this is where um, those of us that 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 are moving into a community need to realize how can we be those supporting um, elements that are, that, that others can, can um, stand on our shoulders because we might have the educational background. We might have the financial resources. What can we bring in that can help the communities rise up and, and um, advocate for themselves. And that's, that's the beauty of, of what I saw evolve in, in this community and with this work. And now it felt so great to be able to step away and know that there is something sustainable that has been built into this community because they've learned to advocate for themselves. They've learned to um, not only the adults, but the youth also. And uh, I mean, I've just seen such tremendous changes happening because of 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 uh, people that have found their own voice and have um, and have learned how to how to uh, how to speak into these systems um, and but they still you know we're 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 locked in so it doesn't matter whether I work officially or professionally for this for an organization now it's all about I'm part of the community. But I, I, I'm led by them, and, and I'm available to support in any way that's needed. It's, uh, I don't know if I answered your question, but that's been the, my personal experience. And uh, it's, uh, you know, around the issue of programs. It's not programs versus advocacy. It's all, it's all part of the, of the, of the system. And, and how do we, you know, apply these principles so that, so that we can find real real um, sustainable change that's going to lead us into the future and provide 
uh, a more uh, a, a more equitable future for for our communities. Wow, that, that really did answer it. It did. It did. Yeah, yeah. So, but Michelle, let me um, in the minutes we have left, um, let me ask you about because I'm I'll always keep staring at this statement, a call for a revolution in the church's approach uh, mm-hmm. to the problem. Um, is the church really or correctly defining the problem? Oh. Is the, is the I'm glad church you asked correctly? you that question. Yeah, no, I was thinking, you know, <laughs> and, and I've got eight minutes. Um, the question is, is the church really seeing the problem? You know, yeah, I yeah. I think that it takes a certain amount of vision to be able to respond. And I I would say I was just thinking just as Ava was so aptly answering that question, that even in my own journey and in many of us at CCDA, this, this, this you know, um, decades-long journey of trying to love our neighbor as ourselves, I would say love has no boundaries. It doesn't say, oh, I'll only love you until my food pantry is empty, and then you should have already figured out food security. You know, it says, let's look at food co-ops. Let's look at, you know, urban gardening. Let's look at, you know, health, and let's look at hunger and, and be willing to speak into those spaces. And so I think sometimes my own perception of the church is that they don't see far enough into the issue. And I think those of us who are at CCDA who are living in communities and at that very upfront, close, personal view for the long haul, as we sit and we watch and we are in relationship, God gives us a bigger vision of what's happening and then gives us the vision, his vision, you know, to, to move forward, you know, in a hopeful place. I, what I have found, and I come from, you know, predominantly white evangelical background, is that it's almost like the church is afraid to see too much because they'd be so overwhelmed that they couldn't fix it. So I would say to push back on that is don't be afraid to have too big of a vision and don't ever, ever put limits on your love. You know, love doesn't have a limit. It doesn't have, a, you know, it's never filled the capacity, not Christ's love anyway. You know, and, and so I think that if the church would would allow themselves to see beyond their own fears of what they can or cannot impact, they will be amazed and excited about what the Holy Spirit not only shows them, but how he has equipped the body, the diverse body, not just, you know, this small amount of resources, but with all of these people to join in this collective engagement, to join in the the movement that we're talking about. But I don't see as much movement as I think I would like, of course, because I see very little vision um, for what's really going on. And I think that, that those of us who are living in community for the long haul and seeing things, if we don't just get nervous and run away, you know, we can, we can really stay. God will open up our eyes to the beauty, to the assets, um, to, the, to the sacredness of really being able to share with integrity relationships. And the movement that you speak of, you know, comes from that place, not a hierarchy of money and power, but really from, you know, from being in relationship, being rooted into the restoring work of the gospel together. Um, so I, I guess that would be my prayer, is that as we as we want a movement, we need to pray for true vision of what's really going on and not to close up our eyes for fear that somehow God's not going to meet us and meet the needs of, you know, brokenness. 
Well, let me ask you, how did Open Door, uh, the ministry that you, the church that you're connected to, how did you all examine that and make movement? Well, we've been in the neighborhood for over 30 years, and we have learned from a lot of mistakes. By the way, 30 years later, we're still making mistakes, and we're still trying to improve mm-hmm. on things. I think the way you endure is to realize that you, you make mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, I think humility is really, really important. You know, we've continued to ask questions. I think something that can happen is one thing that we haven't done is open doors. We haven't become such, such a experts in one area that we never change the way we do things. I feel like we're often reevaluating because people are telling us, you know, how their experience is or, or what, what they think needs, you know, what they want to contribute. We have an alumni council who gets together and tells us we've graduated from your housing programs or our kids have graduated from your programs, our, our, you know, our collective programs. And this is what we think we need. And this is what we, you know, want to see. And I think, you know, that was a learning place for us as well. So I don't think there's really one concrete answer, Charles. I really wish there were, but I think that's why listening to the community is so important. And even, you know, what Ava said, I think the success of an organization like Open Door is the willingness to work with everyone, being as inclusive as possible, but being committed to a shared vision. You can't create separate pockets for visions for churches who only want to do this or for people who only want, you know, you're inviting people into a holistic vision. And that's on every side, you know, um, whether it's in our community or people who are funding Open Door Ministries, but really making sure that, um, you know, there's room and space. Kind of going back to that table. We don't want People just giving us crumbs. You know, we'll make sure that there's a seat for everyone, and we're not going to give special deference to the person who gives the six-figure donation versus the person who graduated from our program. So I'd say that was something that we're trying to get right um, is the way we see people and value their voice. Okay. Well, in a, in a couple of minutes, if you can, I'm going to give you a, a chance to advertise your book and tell us a little bit about it and the title, et cetera. Sure, so I wouldn't want to miss an opportunity. New York Times, I'll totally give you credit, Charles. I'll say thank you so much. No, the book is—it's funny because I've—I've I've taken a—I've kind of run from doing that for a long time. And somebody's asked you, "Why did you finally sit down and write a book?" And I was like, "Well, I guess I decided it was time to start preaching what I was practicing." And so that's really the culmination of it. It's called "The Power of Proximity: Moving Beyond Awareness to Action." And just some of the things that I've even shared in our time today that you cannot fix a problem that you don't understand. And being aware of something is not enough. You do need to move forward in an active way, but how do you do that with integrity? I think there's a lot of people who can come up with reasons on why you wouldn't want to relocate or why you wouldn't want to live and work and worship in proximity to the poor. But I need a compelling argument for why you would want to. Um, and because it's powerful. It's powerful because it changes who you are. It's powerful because it demands a response. You can't stand on the sideline um, forever. And then because you're doing it in relationship and you can't, you know, deny your family, you, it sustains you for the long haul. So proximity is powerful. We as Christians can't just be aware of injustice. We move, need to move forward in an active way to respond to injustice. Okay. Well, I just want to, I, I, I want to carry this on for another hour because I, I have about 15 questions that you guys brought to my mind while you were talking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but unfortunately, the time limit is here. Uh, and the time for us to wrap up at this time. Uh, but so, Alba, I just want to give you a, a final opportunity um, to, um, to talk about the CCDA uh, conference in Detroit and uh, some of the things that we might be others who haven't been there that might expect um, uh, as a result of attending the conference. 
Yeah, you know, um, like I said, the, the Detroit conference is October 4th through the 7th. Um, it's in Detroit at the Marriott at the Renaissance Center there. And um, we have some amazing speakers lined up. Every We've got uh, what, what you'll find is a great diversity of, of speakers. And one of the things that we really try to do uh, is, is um, really learn from our own practitioners. So we have about, oh, almost 100 workshops led by our practitioners that, um, that uh, will go on during those, those times. Some of the speakers you can expect to, to hear are some new to CCDA, such as Gail Song Bantam and Michael Waters, and some that have been part of CCDA for a long time, but have not spoken at a conference, such as Juanita Irisahri, and actually Michelle Warren will be one of our plenary speakers this year. Okay. Um, so I'm really excited about um, about um, all of our speakers, and there's there's quite a few of them, and that's why I don't want to list a lot because okay. <laughs> I know I'm going right. to miss miss many of them. But um, you also have opportunity for networking sessions, so getting together with people that are part of your affinity group or your region, and if um, and um, in fact. Michelle can talk about that, but uh, we do have the opportunity to sign up for networking sessions. So do that, ccda.org. All right, right, well, we're out of time. Thank you, ladies. Um, And we we certainly look forward to getting you guys back in the future. I mean, this this could go on for several hours. I can see that. Um, So (laughs) thank you again. Uh, We're going to encourage everyone to attend the CCDA National Conference and to get involved with CCDA. Uh, next week, we'll be talking to Shay Bathia with Jobs for Life, continuing this conversation about relationship development. God bless you all, and have a great week. Thank you, Charles. Bye-bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.